How you doing? It's the new year. Lois and I were talking just before the service, and that magical moment that occurs between 11.59 on December 31st and 12 a.m. on January 1st, and how everything changes. <laughs> and all of the trouble of 2020 and all that is gone, and now we're in a new year. So, so let's celebrate, amen? I've got some bad news for you. <laughs> I, I, I hate to start out with that, but we'll get to the bad news, okay? Yeah. I was just out of high school, I think 17, going on 18 or so. Met a girl. We fell in love. Man, this was the real thing. I thought about her all the time. And, you know, she was the most beautiful woman I ever met. And this was it. This, I was going to spend my life with her. That lasted 90 days. And yeah, she made some bad decisions. I made some bad decisions. And we ended up broken up. And I'm, I'm, my head is spinning. What just happened? I was convinced 90 days ago that this was who I was going to spend the rest of my life with her. And then like three or four weeks in, and I began questioning, well, wait a minute, do I really want to spend my life? And, and you know, within 90 days, it's all over. And I, I, I walked away from that relationship saying, what is love? What is genuine love? Now, no disrespect to the younger people listening, but at 17, I had no idea. I had no idea. I, I thought I had life by the tail. And I remember telling my dad, Dad, you don't know what it's like to really live. I was 17 years old when I told him that. <laughs> and, you know, I, I eventually I had to get to the point with my dad where I'm like, okay, Dad, you were right. <laughs> I missed it. I was wrong about all that. Of course, I turned 30 years old by then, and, and my life was a shambles. But I thought, I thought I really knew what love was. I thought I really knew what life was. And, and you know, it was a dawning realization, and maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know what love really is. Maybe I don't know what living life really is. So here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Have, have you experienced genuine love? Have you ever felt genuine love? And here's maybe an even more important question. Have you ever given genuine love? Have you ever expressed genuine love to someone else. We're going to explore that over the next two weeks. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in uh, somewhere around 9 or so. We're a little loose on the scriptures and beginning the end here, but we're going to go through uh, the end of that first part of Romans. And this week, Paul is going to show us 12 indicators of genuine love. Now, I, I don't like these kinds of lists. Even as I made it, I don't like it because I want love to be all fuzzy. I want it to be all about this experience that I'm having. My heart is moved and so on and so forth. And, and Paul just doesn't do that for me. But I have to go with Scripture, not my feelings. Because I've got to be honest with you, ever since I was 17 years old, my feelings have been letting me down. So I want to go by what Scripture says about love. So we're going to see 12 indicators of genuine love and how that occurs between friends and loved ones. 
So let me, let me give you some context here. Uh, Romans chapter 10 is about salvation for all types of people. Romans chapter 11, there's going to be a remnant of Israel saved. So, you know, 10 is a little bit of a challenge for the Jews because it says that the Gentiles are going to be saved. Uh, 11 is like, well, there are going to be some Jews saved as well. That's even a bigger challenge for them. The, the Gentiles will be grafted into the body of Christ, and the Jews are going to be part of it too. And in Romans chapter 12, we begin hearing that those in the body should consider themselves a living sacrifice. Now, here's one of those phrases that kind of rolls off our backs and that we, we use and, and maybe, maybe don't think a lot about what it means, but I want you to think about this with Jewish minds for just a second. A living sacrifice. So the sacrifice to the Jews was dead. You took your sacrifice to the temple, they let it bleed out, they put it on the altar, they burned it. There was no such thing as a living sacrifice. So Paul starts talking about our lives as Christians being a living sacrifice, meaning that we spend our lives pouring ourselves out. It's an alien thought to them. Something they had to consider very carefully. They had to change their perspective. So Paul doesn't just say, hey, you need to be a living sacrifice. He tells them how to do it, Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. (laughs) That was for Paul and those Romans back in the first century. We're too sophisticated for that. Yet, we are molded and shaped by the world around us if we're not careful. We're told what to think. We're told how to think it. We're told when to be angry. We're told when to be happy. Paul says, If you're going to live your life as a living sacrifice, you can't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the power and presence of the Spirit, and by the testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Have you witnessed one debate yet where both sides don't think more highly of themselves than they ought to think? Do we ever fall into that one? I'm right, you're wrong. If you just thought like me, then maybe I'd think highly of you. Because I certainly think highly of myself. Paul says don't do that. If you're going to live a a life of living sacrifice, don't do that. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned, for as in one body we have many members. And he goes on to describe how all the members of the body, all of us here, all of us listening, have a part to play in the body of Christ, a specific part. Without all of them working, then the body doesn't function the way it's supposed to function. So all of that is a context for this passage in Romans chapter 9. 
And it is, we're all part of the body of Christ. We all have a part to play, but we are called to live a, a life of living sacrifice. So in Romans 12, 9, he says, let love be genuine. Now, I love this because, uh, you know, we have this whole thing about authenticity today. I just want you to be authentic and we think that genuine means to be authentic. Whatever that means. I don't know what that means. Somebody came up to me a while ago and said, I, 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 I just don't think you're authentic. And I, I don't know how to process that. Am I not true to who I am? Am I not true to who you think I am? I, I'm not sure what authentic is. So we kind of associate genuine with authentic. But we've got two words here. We've got love. Agape. It's not philos. It's not eros. It's not sorge, it's agape. It's an unnatural love, it's a supernatural love. It's love uh, that flows from the lover without consideration of the worthiness of the beloved. So godly love, let godly love be genuine. And the Greek word here is without hypocrisy. Let godly love be without hypocrisy. Don't say one thing and do the other. Don't claim to be this while you're living like this over here. So how do we do this? How do we let our love be genuine? Well, it, the, the, of the 12 indicators of genuine love, the first two are about personal purity. Number one is abhor what is evil. I, I love this. Abhor what is evil. I don't want anything evil being part of my life. I want to step away from what is evil. Now, again, if we're not careful, evil becomes people that don't agree with us. Don't you abhor the people that don't agree with you. But this means abhor what is ungodly. Abhor that that is unholy. Not people who don't agree with you, abhor everything that is unholy, hold fast to what is good. Now, if we're not careful with this, the good becomes the people that agree with us and the evil are the people that disagree with us. But scripture tells me that there are none good but God. So we're called to abhor the ungodly and to embrace the godly. Embrace what is good and embrace God alone. Now, that sets the stage for the next 10 indicators of genuine love. I know some of you are thinking right now, oh my, my gosh, he has a 12-point sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with me. <laughs> okay, so the first two abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Number three, love one another with brotherly affection. That just boils this down love each other. Now, we know this. We, we get it. We understand, uh, have that godly love amongst each other, but we have to admit that's hard. It's hard to love each other. Sometimes the hardest people to love are the people that are closest to us. And, you know, and the reason for that is because people that are closest to us are the ones that can hurt us the most. But it says put that aside and love each other. Love one another with brotherly affection. Number four, Outdo one another in showing honor. Oh, I love this. We're competing with each other. Now, some people are like, yeah, a game, I like this. 
okay? But what are we competing with each other for? To see who can show honor more than the other person. The next time you're in an argument with somebody in your family that's close to you, turn that argument into a competition to see who can honor each other the most and watch how quickly that argument dies. Even if you're the only one doing it. You watch because all the debate goes away. You know, you may have a point there, and I want to honor your way of thinking. And watch what happens. It's because the Holy Spirit inhabits these sorts of things. He comes in and does the hard work for you. So honor each other. Compete to honor each other. Be not slothful in zeal. Again, boil this down. Be zealous. Be zealous in what? Be zealous in honoring each other. Be zealous in abhorring evil. Be zealous in loving each other and embracing good. Have a zeal for this. Have a passion for it. Number six, be fervent in spirit. I remember my mom telling me one time, I was just sharing the gospel with her. You know, I believe all this, but I'm not fanatical. You're fanatical. And I had to go, yeah. (laughs) Praise God. I'm fanatical. I want to pursue the things of godliness with the same zeal that I pursue my passions. You know, go to a sports game if you can. And watch how excited people get about their football team or their baseball team or their soccer team. We're called to have that kind of of fanaticism about the gospel, about the word of God, about the body of Christ. It's okay to be a fan of sports. There's nothing wrong with it. But when you're a bigger fan of something other than the things that we're called to be fanatical about, we need to be careful. We need to look at this. We need to look around us and assess ourselves. Be fervent in spirit. Be fanatical. Serve the Lord. Think about how different our lives would be if 24 hours a day we had our sights set upon him and serving him and pleasing God. Number eight, rejoice in hope, verse 12. Now, I love this one uh, because right now we have hope for the new year, don't we? (laughs) I, I, I mean, we all know the reality of the situation, but we all have this feeling that there's a new start. Oh, I made a resolution. Maybe I'm not going to eat as much as I did before January 1st. Maybe I'm going to exercise. Maybe I'm going to do this. Maybe I'm going to do that. So we are to take joy in hope, but we're not to take joy in false hope, brothers and sisters. I don't think the ordeal's over. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But our hope, the, the hope that we take joy in is in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone. Our hope isn't in this party or that party or this position or that position or this nation or that nation. Our hope is in Christ alone. And when we start placing our hope 
in somewhere other than in Christ alone, we set ourselves up for disappointment. If your hope is in Christ and you take joy in it, that joy, brothers and sisters, is unending. We'll never be disappointed. The scripture tells us that if we follow hard after him and put our hope and our trust in him, that we will not be disappointed. Could we take a year of not being disappointed? Would that that be a blessing? Regardless of what happened, could we take the next 12 months and not be disappointed? Would we enjoy that? Yes, we can, but unless our hope is in Christ, Our situation will rob us of our hope. No coincidence that the next one, number nine, is be patient in tribulation. I don't care what you think about the pandemic. This goes for all of us. It ain't going away. It ain't going away this month. They told us last year that when springtime came, it would all go away. Then they told us in the fall it might go away. But then he said, no, wait a minute, there might be a second wave. Okay. Now, it, it, whatever, whatever measure you want to measure this by, it's worse than it was before. So you can believe that it's a problem. You can believe that it's not a problem. What I'm saying is, whatever you believe, It's not going away. We're carrying around masks. People in certain sections of the country can't get around as much as they were before. The politicians have no idea what to do. I just love for one person to stand up and go, we don't have a clue. We're going to do this today, but I think that might change this afternoon. (laughs) Everybody's got the answer and there's no answer. And so, we can get frustrated. We say, well, wait a minute. This guy said that. That guy said that. One of these guys is wrong. Oh, I'm going with the guy that agrees with me. But, but wait. I, I can't do the things I want to do. This doesn't look good. The situation is not developing the way I think it should develop. And I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting angry. By the way, these guys over here and these guys over here are telling me to be angry. They're helping me conform to the world. (laughs) And Paul says, if we're going to show genuine love, then we have to be patient. Now, patience isn't a feeling, brothers and sisters. It, it, it's, not, it, it's not something that rises up and I go, oh, I just feel great about it right now. We have to work hard at being patient. We have to work hard at not being frustrated. We have to consciously say, I am not going to allow this to make me angry. I'm not going to allow this to raise my frustration. I'm going to turn my eyes on Christ and pursue him with everything I have and take joy in who he is and that will give me the patience to endure this particular moment. See, all this stuff has to work together. You can't just grab one or two of them and say, okay, I'll do these things here. It'll be fine. So, be patient in tribulation. Number 10, be constant in prayer. 
We've talked about this before. This isn't saying, well, go kneel beside your bed and stay there all day long. This is walk through life in an attitude of prayer. Lord, help me through this moment. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me discernment. Lord, tell me who to pray for. Lord, help me through the next moment. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the greatest power in the universe inside of us to help us through these things. And unless we are constantly in contact with him, we're left to our own devices. So when the guy in front of you doesn't move when the light turns green, Lord, help me be patient. That's a prayer. We're constantly turning to him, regardless of what the situation is. Constantly trusting him to guide us through. And consciously working on these other things to be patient, to take joy, to be fervent in spirit. Number 13. Pardon me, number 11. 11. Contribute to the needs of the states. There are a lot of ways we can do this. And obviously, we start with the idea of tithe. Should be tithing to your church. It's how we keep the church open. You guys have been very faithful at that. Thank you. God bless you for that. There are offerings, something above and beyond the tithe. You can, you can contribute by giving talent, treasure, time. We can do this to the people around us. We can do it in the church. There are a lot of different ways to contribute to the needs of the saints, but it's saying contribute. Not all of us can contribute financially. Amen. That happens. But all of us take part in the ministry of the gospel, take part in the ministry of the church. We all have a role to play. And number 12, seek to show hospitality. That can be hard. That can be hard right now. Does this mean I have to open my house up? What if they don't wear a mask? Does this mean, does this mean I have to greet everybody that comes in the door? You know something? We don't know what to do either. So we have a mask section. We have a section for people that thinks masks are optional. We have an online ministry. We're doing the same thing as leaders. We're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. We're coping with the situation as best we can. Some people are unhappy over that. We have to make decisions. It's not that we don't care about what you think or your situation, but we have to make decisions. And Paul says, regardless of of where you are in these things, greet each other with some sincerity. Treat each other with honor. Compete with each other to, to show honor to each other. Do this fervently. Do it passionately. Do it with prayer. Do it with conscious effort. Roll all these things together and treat each other with some hospitality. Doesn't matter which section you sit in, who you voted for, where you live, how much money you have or anything. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's how we are to treat each other. Jimmy read it. Treat each other's more significant than yourself. You know, that God is so good, isn't he? Because he, he hit us with that last year. Put love in action. 
treat each other as more significant. We didn't know this situation was going to rise up. We didn't know as we adapted that and embraced it that, that we would be tested on it mightily. Praise God, he prepares us for these things. Treat each other with hospitality. So there's all 12 things, the 12 indicators of genuine love, abhor evil, hold fast to good, love each other, show each other honor, be zealous, be fanatical, serve the Lord, take joy and hope, be patient, pray without ceasing, contribute to the needs of the saints, and be hospitable. So if we look at that list, then we understand that this genuine love that we're talking about is more than just some fuzzy feeling inside that we can act on and maybe not act on. It takes action. It requires involvement. And here's the key. The reaction and the involvement that we're called upon to to contribute to all of this is not for my individual benefit. It's for the benefit of the body. So all of a sudden, as as we begin to apply this to church, Church becomes a place that is not here to fulfill my desires and needs, but it is there for a place for me to come and fill your desires and needs. And I'm afraid that in the middle of everything else that's going on, that the modern church has become a place that's there to serve And I think we've lost the idea that I'm here to serve the church. That's what all this means. It's action. Regardless of what the situation is, we move in this direction. It's all 12 of these things combined. And it is us combined working together to make these things work. So here's a couple things that we're going to do this year to work together. Now, I've been struggling with this for almost nine months. And I believe, I believe that the, the Holy Spirit has given me a vision. Because I've, for nine months, the elders and the staff have been struggling with, how do, we, how do we minister to these people? How do we take care of them? How do we hold everything together when we can't come together? I, I had one pastor tell me, just give them enough guilt, they'll come in. Oh, <laughs> which of these 12 is that? So how do we do this? So, so the first thing we're going to do, and this is going to be no surprise to you, those of you who have been with us for a while, we're going to read our Bibles. And I, I, I know, you know, somebody said, you're not going to do that Bible thing again. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. Why? Because we're not reading our Bibles. We had somebody on staff here a couple years ago that said, you know, there's a lot more to life than reading your Bible. And I said, are you reading yours? No. I said, so that's where we start? So we're going to read our Bibles. We've got Bible plans on the website. If you got the handout last night, there's a, there's a link to that. And, you know, the, the, there's a variety of Bible plans. I am so blessed, the number of people that come up, and there's more every year, that say, hey, I've discovered this reading plan. And, and I love that because it means that, that they're reading their Bibles. 
Maybe it's not the reading plan that I'm using, but that's okay. That's okay. You know, the question is whether or not you're in your Bible daily. How are we going to know about the character and nature of God? How are we going to know about what image we are being molded into? How are we going to know how to live the Christian life? How are we going to know about the grace that has saved us unless we're in our word? So grab one of those reading plans and do it. I'm on a reading plan. I got a new reading plan this year. I read about a thing called the ESV Reader's Bible. And this is a Bible that has no versification, no chapters. It, it's, it's a book, and it's arranged like a book. Uh, so I bought one for Christmas. Thank you, those of you who have contributed to the pastor's fund, because it's the type of thing that we do with it. It's a six-volume set, so it, it's a large set, and there's a reading plan that goes along with it, and you read about 10 pages a day, and by the end of the year, you're through the entire set. If you're interested in that, again, we've supplied a link that you can read about it. If you're interested in that, let me know. I'll put you on the list, and we'll, I'll send the readings out day to day. Okay? But you're, you're mature Christians. I, I know you're committed to this because I've heard it from you. Find a reading plan and do it. Don't worry about the calendar. Oh, wait a minute. It's three days behind. We can't do that. Just pick up where the reading plan starts. And if you miss a day or two or five or ten, don't go back and try to make it up. That never works. Just pick up where you left off. It's not about finishing it in a year. It's about getting to know the Word of God. So let, let's read our Bible. Let's just do that together, even if we're doing different plans. The other thing I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to dedicate one day a week. We've done this before. We're going to do it again. And we're going to call this Pray Day. P-R-A-Y-D-A-Y. And I'm going to ask you to dedicate some time during that day to praying for the church. Now, if you want to fast, that's fine. I try and fast one meal during that day and take that time and spend, and spend it in prayer as well. But uh, we, are, we have been separated now for almost 10 months. Maybe we don't know everybody that's here. Uh, I mean, we, normally on Sunday we get somewhere around 30, 35 people or so. But we've got a little under 200 people that are attenders in our church. So... I sent this list out last night. And what I'm going to ask you to do is on pray day, pray for three or four people on this list. Check them off and then move the next three or four on the next pray day. If you want to pray for ten, that's fine. If you want to pray for all of them, that's fine too. We're going to pray for each other by name. I'm going to ask you if you are on Facebook. I'm not asking you to get on, but if you're already on Facebook, sign up for the WBF prayer closet because that's where most of our prayer requests take place. And I guarantee you, as you begin working your way through this list and look at the prayer requests, you'll begin putting faces with names and that sort of thing. So Wednesday will be pray day. You want to do it in the morning? Do it in the morning. You want to do it in the evening? Do it in the evening. There's a lot of freedom here. But let's together be praying for our church, be praying for the individuals in the church on Wednesday. So the third thing I want to say is talk to us. Now, we have a certified counselor that is offering his services. Uh, I'm available. Pastor Scott is available. And, you know, we might not be able to sit down and have a cup of coffee. I love doing that. But we can't all do that. Um, day before yesterday, somebody called me and said, I'm struggling through something. We spent 45 minutes on the phone just working through it. So talk to us. And 
the idea of communicating with each other, we would like to broaden our digital footprint. We would like to broaden our presence online because this is a way that we can communicate with each other. So we are setting up a room in the townhouse with a couple chairs and a couple lights, a very simple little studio, and we're going to have chats with people. Maybe it'll be like a fireside chat with you just to open up communications and let you know that we're there. Maybe we're going to ask one or two of you to come and sit down and chat with us. So yeah, we, we're not going to put you in an awkward position if we ask you to do that. We're going to give you a list of questions. We're going to ask a list of topics. You'll have the input as to whether or not you want to answer those questions or have them deleted, so on and so forth. But just as an effort to say, we're still a body, even though we can't get together physically. Talk to us. Talk to us. And the fourth thing for this week is help us out. We need help. The building is unoccupied. There are little things that are starting to happen that need attention. We need help in the ministries. We need help back here at the sound booth. So we need a sound guy. We need an AV guy. We need somebody to help us with the cameras. Don't have to have experience with this. We'll show you how it works. And then we need help getting things maintained around the church. Now, we're not going to hit you up with a long list of things, but keep your eye on the Monday Minutes and the Friday forecast, because from time to time there will be something in there that we need help with. Maybe, maybe there's a door hinge on one of the doors that needs to be repaired, and we'll put a note in there. We need somebody to repair the door hinge. Now, if you're capable of coming out and doing this, but you don't want to meet with a lot of people, we can make arrangements for you to get into the church and fix it yourself. And, you know, we're not going to over-supervise it. We're just going to say, we're going to turn you loose on a door hinge and get it. So we've got a long list of those things that need to be taken care of, and it's getting longer, and will get longer as we get into the winter months. So it's a big building, it's an old building, and it needs maintenance. We could use your help in the ministries. We could use your help in the maintenance of the facility. So here's what this is all about. Two years ago, I came to you and I said, we're better together. God was just setting the stage for where we are right now. Because the year after that, it was let's put our love in action. And this year, it's going to be let our love be genuine. And this is heavy on my heart, brothers and sisters. When I was younger, I had no idea what genuine love was. But I've learned it since then. And maybe in a hard way. First thing I experienced was the love of Christ who saved me yet when I was still a sinner. But then I've seen that genuine love show up in my wife. She showed up in my kids. And I've got to tell you something. One of the great blessings in my life is I've seen that genuine love rise up at Warrington Bible Fellowship. I talked to a lot of other pastors and I just, I, I'm just blessed at who you are as a congregation. I see God changing us. And it's, it's been a rough year. You take that list that we just put out. It's not quite as long as it was last January. And, you know, the list is probably not complete right now. There may be some people that we've missed if you're not on the list, please let us know. We'd like the opportunity to pray for you. 
but we might have lost 20% of the people that were on this list in January. And I, I got to be honest with you, we trust God to send people here. We trust God to move them along as well. We got to take one with the other. Here's what I know. God is moving. God is doing something. He's doing something here in Warrington, but he's doing something here at Warrington Bible Fellowship. And I hear people come to me and say, is the church dying? No. But, but, maybe there's nobody coming. Well, there are people coming. God is moving. I have, there's no question in my mind that God is doing something in this church. And he's given me a vision. And the vision that he's given me is to, to build a church that is focused on Christ. That meets the needs of the people, but the focus is on Christ. And the focus on the word. We get it all the time. You should do more current events. Yeah, we probably should, but let me tell you something. I think the best way that I can help you deal with current events is to equip you with the Word of God. Because the events are always changing. There's always some crisis. There's always some new issue. But the Word of God is constant, and Christ is unchanging. And if I can equip you with the Word of God, you will be able to handle the current events without all of this turmoil we have surrounding us. You can be an island in the middle of that. You can be the one who is speaking peace and love. So, the vision is there. Are you with me? Can we go there? Can we do this? It'll take some holding each other accountable. But I've never been more excited about what God is doing at Warrington Bible Fellowship than I am right now. Because when God prunes, it's for growth. And I don't know if it's growth with numbers or whatever, but my responsibility in the day that I stand before the Lord and am held accountable for the spiritual welfare of each of you, God will say, what have you done with my sheep? And I want to be able to say, I fed them. I gave them the best food I could. So are you with me? Can we go forward with this? Can we go forward with these things in mind, regardless of whether or not there's a pandemic? Maybe God has allowed this to happen for this moment. Maybe God is saying, you want to put love in action? You want to express genuine love? Can you do it in this? Yes, we can. <laughs> we have the Spirit. We have each other. I can't think of a better expression of that unity than being taking communion together. <laughs>